London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Be a really good one. LA Kings general manager, hockey hall of famer, former defenseman in Los Angeles, former former uh, Norris Trophy winner. The list goes on and on. Gold medalist at the Olympics, member of the triple gold team. We're talking about Rob Bolby Blake. He capitulated, Mayor. <laughs> he yielded to the pressure, Mayor, and you know, decided to make it his initial Kings of the Podcast uh, debut here. So I'm sure we'll uh, we're ready. The one thing I know, DB, is this. Yeah. Players, managers, they love to play it cool and tell you that they don't read what we write and that they don't listen to what we say. (laughs) And that's absolutely not true because in their private moments, they will all tell us that. So maybe we'll get into that. Rob Blake, look, um, there's not a lot to talk about in numerology from a number four perspective. Number four is, I think, forever associated in Los Angeles with Rob Blake. But we can hit the highlights here. There's a a dozen or so players. Uh, The first player in 1968 that wore the number was Brent Hughes. Jim Murray, not the late, great LA Times writer, uh, he wore it. Jock Lemieux wrote wore the number from 68 to 1970. A couple of other guys along the way. Uh, Dave Hutchinson wore the number. Randy Holt wore the number. Russ Anderson wore the number. Ken Hammond wore the number. Nobody really wore it of any significance in terms of length of time. Uh, leading into Rob Blake, who in 1990 took over the number, wore it until 2008. Interesting, though, that it lists on the website that Jim Fox wore the number. Really? Uh, back, Yeah. And if I remember correctly, and I could have the story wrong, I should have texted Foxy before the program. I think that he said that the database is wrong and that he didn't wear it. Mm-hmm. Or I'm confusing it with another player that Foxy said that about. Uh, because obviously Jim Fox. Didn't is- Randy Holton so, so, some sort of record for penalty minutes in a game? Fox? No, Randy Holt. Oh, oh, I, that I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I'm sorry. You'll have so. to you'll have to research that one. The yes, please do. Obviously, episode. Jim Fox is more known for wearing 19. Yes. Uh, in in Los Angeles, so uh, even even perhaps going back, maybe he wore number four in his junior days when he. I don't think so though. When he was a member of the Ottawa 67s, yeah. same junior hockey team as Tyler Toffoli. Of course, Brian Kilray Killer was the coach there of both of those players, which to me is still one of the most interesting. Trivia notes. How does somebody coach? That Their long. coaching career is that long. <laughs> they coach Jim Fox in junior, and they coach Tyler Toffoli. 
That's on why, the same team. On the on same the team. team. That's right. why, yeah, that's why Killer's in the Hall of Fame and is a great, uh, he's a legend of the sport. Uh, so a lot coming up here with Rob yeah. Blake. We can get into sort of what's going on there, DB. Uh, a couple of news items, though, and, and we're going to move on from the first period so we can save a bunch of time for Blakey. But sure. a couple news items. Uh, the, the return to play. It, it, it's in it's in motion. Yep. We sort of know some of the dates now. The Stanley Cup can be awarded mm-hmm. as late as the first week of October. And I think it's October 6th. They've tentatively slated yeah. the, the NHL draft to take place. That's going to be a big deal in Los Angeles. Free agency is scheduled to start, which is November really weird. Yeah. <laughs> November 1st, which, yeah, which comes right after... Right after Halloween, normally we would be done with free agency by now in early July. Uh, just any notes, DB, on them going to Edmonton, them going to yeah. uh, Toronto, the return to play, the the memorandum of understanding, the CBA, all this stuff that's going on. Any notes for well, from it's you? Go, the Board of Governors is going to review it. I assume it's going to pass overwhelmingly. And one of my guys, one of my sources says that with it, now the um, it's with the players, the entire rank and file. Mm-hmm. I would expect probably more than 85% ratification. So I don't think anybody should worry about the players voting this down because it really ensures the future of this game because if there wasn't an extension on the CBA, you're probably looking at, and if there wasn't, if they didn't return to play, you're looking at maybe a, a $60 million cap next season, maybe 50% escrow on the players. That's not untenable. So uh, they really didn't have an option here, John, but I expect them to be uh, to pass it overwhelmingly. Uh, we'll get hockey back on August 1st. And we're going to try to get up there and cover it. So, and then because not because there's going to be a lot of access, all the interviews for players will be virtual. So you won't be able to interview obviously anybody after games in the arena. But to to witness history, to be in an arena where you're playing NHL playoff hockey or postseason hockey with nobody in the building, I want to try to experience that. So it will entail doing a 14 day quarantine up in Edmonton uh, and then uh, doing multiple tests and having that swab, that six foot six swab stuck up my nose. But I'm going to try to get up there to cover the qualifying round, come back home, then try to do the Stanley Cup final again because we've done it for about eight, nine years consecutively. DB, I'm just excited that you're going to quarantine so I don't have to see you for a couple yeah, of weeks. It's no, going to be that's great. It's going to be tough. I yeah. get a nice But you can still text, right? So I can still okay, text. So I can still, still get Zoom some... and <laughs> okay. Microsoft Teams. No, no I don't want like to Zoom with you. Just a no. text here. Just the daily. ATT plan covers Canada. It doesn't? Okay. I wasn't sure. Maybe not Sweden, but you might need to switch to Verizon. But hey, we're going to have hockey back in from a King standpoint. You know, it's going to be a long run. The season is going to start till December 1st. So it's going to be eight and a half months until they play the next regular season game. Here's the thing, though, DB. I I think that if you want to look at things optimistically and if you want to look at things that are positive. Yes. One of the most positive things coming out of all of this is not the fact that we're about to play hockey again, but the fact that you're you're getting labor peace Absolutely for the next six not. years because the, the chatter had gone away over the last couple of months. But go back into November, December time, and everybody was talking about the fact another lockout was coming. Yeah. And at, at such a terrible time when the 32nd team was going to come into the league right around the time Seattle was going to debut, you're going to have a lockout. And man, that would have been terrible. So to be able to get six years of labor peace out of this, what a fantastic thing. Yeah, and Matthew Schneider was on our XM show about a month or so ago, and he said there's been unprecedented level of communication and transparency between the NHL and the PA. And I think that's the key there. And to have the uh, return to play tied into the CBA is very, very important because as we mentioned on the podcast numerous times, after next season, US TV contract, probably a lot more dollars in the till. Uh, you'll probably get back to the point where they're $4.8 billion. Um, HRR. HRR, which yeah. will help the escrow. And not only that, John, I mean, who thought about Olympics? Right? Nobody thought that was that was ever going to happen. And then it shows you the movement that the owners made as well. Mm-hmm. I compliment both sides because, John, to do this 
in a pandemic is like lifting a thousand pound weight for both sure. sides. It was absolutely fantastic. And when you look at these other sports and, you know, we kid about baseball and the MLS is trying to come back, like to have this all done is just a compliment because I think everybody understands the big picture here, mm-hmm. like th- that the future of this sport professionally is at stake. Mm-hmm. And so everybody got on the same page. They got this done. There was a quiet period of seven to 10 days where there wasn't a lot of news because there were negotiating points about mm-hmm. escrow, about the Olympics. And sure. now, uh, now we have that, and like I said, I expect the players to pass it overwhelmingly, and it's just a really, really good thing because we will end this pandemic. This will there is a future to this game. There's a future to our lives. There will be fans back in the building at some point in time. So I just think it's a fantastic job by both sides to get this done uh, to the magnitude it was done. What about a couple of the other points that came out throughout this? And so, for example, the no trade clause will travel with the players. So for those that don't know, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter had no trade deals, no movement deals in their uh, previous contracts that basically went away when they were dealt out of Philadelphia. Uh, These, these, clauses uh, Lubomir Vishnovsky who was mm-hmm. dealt out of Los Angeles that clause went away so there there you know many 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 players that have been dealt and the clause that they had deserved or that they had you know uh, what's the right word not been awarded but that yeah. they had earned that's they, the thing they that's what I'm looking for yeah. that they had negotiated and they had earned and then went away when they were moved to another team now that will travel with them any thoughts about how that will impact the future trade market yeah it might reduce the return on a player mm-hmm. if you can't move them that quickly if you can't wheel them if you, you can't flip them yeah if you can't flip them that that could be it or there might be more inducement to a player to waive the, the no trade clause mm-hmm. so i think it will affect it i don't think too much john but i think that that you know, instead of getting a second round player, a pick for a player, if it's attached to the no trade, which they could waive, if they're not going to waive it, then you might get a third or fourth round pick. So, yeah, I think it'll, there'll be some effect, but not too much, not too much activity. But, yeah, that was surprising to see that uh, that uh, that change made with respect to no trade clauses. Yeah, I always love when the things come out of left field, you know, things like that. Then there's also the the fact that you, you can't tie some of your draft picks, your future conditions yep. um, on picks to guys that are unrestricted free agents and things like that. I'm not that worried about that because I think that GMs always find a creative way to come up with the next set of right. conditions. Now, I don't know if we want to get into the uh, Milan Lucic level of conditions where if this guy scores so 10 six, goals and this guy eats an ice cream on Thursday, then, you and know. they're still trying to figure out that trade. <laughs> they're going to go to an arbitrator on that one. Yeah, I, I think that it, it will. That's a it, little too creative for me, DB. It's a little DB. too creative, <laughs> but I, I get it. I understand it. You don't want to be, I, I think, I think, because you look what's going on in Los Angeles, I think that you understand that you really can't just willy-nilly trade these picks away. Mm-hmm. Like it, the future of your franchise is so much tied into drafting and developing. I think it's more and more. Plus, John, if it's going to be a flat cap, LA's really set up well, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the 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 Kovalchuk and the substantial part of the enough cap hits are going to go away after next season. So you're saying that before free agency or when free agency hits, you're saying that the LA Kings are going to go out and sign two or three of the biggest <laughs> name guys on the market. Is that what you're saying, Twitter? I'm not saying. I mean, yeah, Dennis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like who wants to commit $50 million to a player in the middle of a pandemic? I feel sorry for guys like Pat, uh, Angelo and, and Hall because it's the worst year absolutely to be a free agent because I don't, I think you have situations probably more comfortable with Angelo going back to St. Louis. He's I think been he always forever, was right. He can sign a bridge deal, maybe one year. And then when things normalize in the following off season, maybe he can do a long-term deal. Hall's kind of jammed up. I mean, I, I don't know. He's got to have a big playoff number one. And then who's want to commit that big money to him. Does he want to stay in, you know, in, in Arizona and, Nice lifestyle, plays golf, 
Uh, that, team, sure. that team's on the up and up too. I think yeah. if they go on a deep run, that could really play well to their, uh, you know, pitch to keep him there as yeah. well. And and now that Phil Kessel this week said that he's really banged up all season. So if he has a big playoff, he's been rested for four months. But it's going to be a tough free agent market. But no, there's absolutely no reason other than what you've mentioned about the Kings left side D where they have to get maybe one or two transitional players. There, there's no need for the Kings to do anything at this point in time. But I tell you, Season after next and following, their their commitments are at such such a low level that have all these kids come in on entry level contracts. Yeah, other than Seattle, Rob's going to be a power broker. Yeah, just to clarify for anybody listening, no, I was joking. The Kings will not be big <laughs> players in unrestricted free agency. The only thing that they really need to add this summer, as DB just alluded yeah. to, we've talked about it on past shows. Left handed defenseman. This would be an upgrade over Ben Hutton or Ryan or something right. like that. Exactly. Um, if you're looking for what the roster is for the LA Kings, whenever hockey resumes. I've tweeted it at least 700 times. You can see exactly the players they have to pick from at forward right. and on defense. Um, so they'll get a bridge player there. Uh, there's plenty of names that are out there. We'll get into that in later shows as we get closer to the free agency period. Let's first get through the rest of the season. Let's play some hockey. Let's get through right. the first round of the playoffs. And let's see if, uh, I don't know, DB, if the Dallas Stars or the Winnipeg Jets or maybe even the Cinderella Arizona Coyotes can can cause some some trouble in the Western Conference. No, or if John. the Blues, is that what you're going for? No, the Blues? No, I'm not going. I'm going I for thought your you were hard team. on the Blues. No, your favorite team, the Flyers. Oh, well, that's out of the East, though. But I'm talking oh, out the of Blue? the West. Out of the West. I, I, going Dallas. They're so mentally tough. I just love St. Louis. And I think they can do it. And they're rested. And they get Tarasenko back. But it's a crapshoot, John. Let's let's be real here. Yeah. I mean, they've been there for four months. Who knows? Like, you look at Edmonton, right? Their success was built on the power play and the penalty kill. Are they going to have the same chemistry? As great as Leon and Connor are, are they going to have that chemistry off the drum? But not only that, DB, yeah. matchups make a huge difference. They do. Make, you know, and we don't we can't look at a bracket and predict how it's gonna go because of the reseeding. Yeah. So the matchups, I think, ultimately will help tell the story. Agreed. Unlike any other year yes. where you can sort of look at the bracket and somewhat have extrapolate. You have out. a yeah, you have a play. sense of confidence in the picks. Right. right now, I mean, for me to say Dallas is gonna go to the cup final, well, I really can't say that because I don't even know who Dallas is going to play. Are they going to be the one seed, the four seed? <laughs> I mean, you three don't know. Seed? That's you what I'm know. saying. The whole yeah. thing is a, is a crapshoot. It's topsy-turvy. But I think, look, John, coming out, like three games a day, everybody's healthy. It's going to be overloaded. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be unprecedented. And it's a tip towards the following season where I think they're going to expand the playoffs and they'll probably have, you know, 20 teams in the playoffs next year. You'll probably have a playing round of 7, 8, 9, 10 because I think the ratings are going to go through the roof. If you look at all the other sports this that come back, the, like the Brickyard had huge ratings on NBC. I just think that this is going to be unprecedented. We won't ever see this again, but I think the appetite for sports, you could see with the, all these other sports, I think the ratings are going to be phenomenal for uh, NHL hockey. Hockey Hall of Famer, 1,270 games played at the NHL level, won a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. I know, boo, but uh, I can hear the fans right now on Twitter. Uh, he is the general manager of the LA Kings. He will be joining us after the break. Used to spend my nights out in ballroom Liquor was the only love I'd known But you rescued me from reaching for the bottom Who better to have as a guest we than the, got him. the general manager of the Los Angeles Kings, Rob Blake. Blakey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you guys doing? 
Well, we'll find out. We'll let you know at the end of the interview. It depends. If we get short answers, we're not doing well. If we get long answers, very verbose, very in-depth. And if you, uh, if you break some news on the show today, then we're doing outstanding. <laughs> okay. I, the last part, I'm not sure. But there, there'll be some, some longer answers, yes. We're not expecting Dean Lombardi-length answers, Rob. Just, there's no pressure there. That's right. But there's nothing wrong with the baseball reference, though, here and there, no. if you want to work that in, Rob. Or, or a good Guns N' Roses reference, uh, which we know you enjoy that. Um, we would do that. Okay. I want to go back. We did an interview recently with Nelson Emerson. Let's just start there. And uh, he, he shared a few things with us. Number one, I had always thought that you guys met at college. And he said, no, that's not true. That you, he had known you or known of you from prior to that. So I'm curious, do you remember the actual moment, the day when you met Nelson Emerson? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. We grew up about uh, in, in towns maybe 10, 10 minutes apart, uh, two small towns where we grew up. And uh, he was a few years older. Um, he had, he had, he really lit it up in minor hockey in, in, in a small town as Waterford. So I, I don't even know the classification it was lower than an A level. Um, you know, so, so there's some articles in the papers and things. So I kind of knew a little bit about him. Uh, he went to Stratford to play junior B and I, I went the year after, and that's kind of when I ran into him in the summer and really got to know him, uh, what was through that connection. And, and part of the reason I ended up going to Bowling Green was, was he had gone the year before and we'd become really good friends. So uh, I kind of followed him in, in that aspect, but uh, we were probably, I mean, I, I was probably 14 or 15 when I first met him, but I, but I had known of him um, just through the newspaper articles and that because he was, uh, was such a, a, a good player in that area. Yeah. He kind of indicated that he was, he was part of the recruiting pitch to get you to go to, to go to Bowling Green. And I'm just curious, do you remember what was his pitch? Why, why should you come to Bowling Green? Well, it was an easy pitch. There wasn't any other offers. So, <laughs> not much of a awesome. he, he might he might think he's taking credit, but there wasn't. They weren't knocking on the door in different places. So. Fantastic. Um, he also shared something interesting uh, on the nick. We love the nickname stories because usually there's a great story behind behind them. And uh, Nelly's a weird nickname in the sense that everybody else gets a nickname based upon their last name. His is based upon his first name. But he told us that. It was Emmer back in the day. So do you remember back? Do you remember people calling him Emmer and not calling him Nelly? Uh, you know what? It was his baseball team. He was a really good baseball player growing up. Played third base, um, you know, and, and uh, so when I got to know him, I, I, I'd go watch his games and that, and uh, he played for a team called Lannings in his hometown, but it, uh, they all called on him called him Emmer. But but everybody I knew in the hockey world and that Stratford at Bowling Green, it was always Nelly. So it, during the season was Nelly, and we home in the summer it was Emmer. So he, he had two <laughs> multiple two personalities. Days, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what about yours? Some guys back in the day, I remember early early Kings teams. They called you Bowlby, and then it became Blakey. Do you, do you remember when the switch <laughs> happened, or is it like is it a certain classification of people that can call you Bowlby? Well, that one, uh, yeah, that started in college. If somebody had, had decided to read a media guide and, and why they printed my middle, middle name, I'm not sure. But that, that stuck for a while. It went to Farmer for a long time. Um, but that was, it's funny. Some nicknames stay in the dressing room and other nicknames get outside. 
uh, you know, and so uh, I don't know when it when it went to Blakey. That seemed to be the easiest one, but uh, yeah, Farmer Farmer was one, and, and still some of the older guys I played with. If I uh, you know bump into them somewhere in an arena, and that they they go by that nickname, so it kind of sets different eras of, of, of generations of players I played with. Now I remember, if, or if I remember correctly, I should say that Larry Robinson, when you first came to Kings Camp, that's who you you were seated next to. I just can't imagine him as, as somebody who calls other guys by a nickname. What did he call you? <laughs> you know what? I can't remember, but I, I do remember. So the whole thing, I, I, so I played at Bowling Green, finished, uh, uh, I think we lost uh, to Boston College or Maine. I can't remember who it was. Um, I, I signed a contract, hopped on a plane the next morning, um, landed in L.A. late at night, and then we had practice in the morning. So uh, Chris Contos happened to be in the hotel. He was a guy that was called up and, you know, had tremendous playoff success for him. So I jumped in with him, took a ride to the forum. I, I remember walking down the, the ramp for the first time and ne- never been in LA, actually never been on a plane before I flew on that flight. And when I walked really? in the you dressing room. You never been on a plane before? No. Really? No, wow. I'd never been on a, on a commercial aircraft or anything. Because Bowling Green was a four-hour drive from our hometown and, and all our trips were buses. So, wow. Um, but I, but I remember walking in and, and my stall was between Larry, uh, Robinson and Wayne Gretzky. And uh, I remember, Not bad. I'm, I'm glad I was young and, and, and naive and really didn't understand where I was getting into. And, and that was a morning skate and I had to play that night against Winnipeg. You know, that, that's how, how quick it happened. No, really no time to think about it, which when I look back now was probably the best possible scenario. Yeah. I didn't have this on the original list of questions, but quick diversion. I know that you've talked to so many college kids in your role, either as the AGM or even as the, the GM um, from Johnny Brzezinski and, you know, all these guys that have, that have come out of the college ranks, Turcotte as well. Do you ever share some of, some of those stories with them? Are they, are they interested in that or do they only see you as, as Rob Blake, you know, management? Yeah, no, I, I, we share more of the stories about the, the, the process of it. Um, you know, <laughs> Basically, you go to school, but a lot of the kids, when you talk to them, they're in school to better their hockey career, and, and at some time, they're going to make that jump. So a lot of that is a transition. So a lot of these kids you're recruiting in college are, are, are underclassmen, and, and they're going to come out early. So so we share stories like that, but it's good because I've got Nelson with me, who, who completed four years. You know, He's a Hobie Baker candidate all four years, but he, but he stayed throughout his college career before turning pro. So we have both aspects of it, but th- you share kind of more of the stories of, uh, of why you left and, 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 the, and the situation surrounding it. All right. This is the most difficult question that I'm ever going to lay on you, Rob, now or in the future. So I hope you're ready for it. Soften you up a little bit now. Now you need to come right. out with the truth serum, all right? So yeah. a, a lot of the people in your inner circle or your lieutenants, by the way, what do you, yeah. I refer to them as both. Which do you refer, what, what do you refer to them as? What do you prefer? Is it your inner circle? Uh, are they your key lieutenants? What are they? Well, that's not the I, question. That's I just a little side question. Yeah, that's your hard question. Huh? No, no, no. That's the no. side question. That's not the hard, one. The hard I'm, one's still coming. No, uh, I, I would say inner circle. I, I don't know. Dean used to always have a seat at the table. That, that's the way he used it. I kind of picked that phrase up too. Like we got, you know, a war room or a table there. Um, and and there and there's a few that that have a seat at that table when right. the major decisions come on board. All right, so I know that a few of those people at the table that have a seat at the table, I know that they are avid listeners to Kings of the Podcast. We need to know before we yep. keep this interview going because we're gonna. This is gonna determine how short or how long this interview is gonna be. Do you <laughs> listen to Kings of the Podcast, Rob? 
I did. I actually listened to Nelson's whole thing. And you know, it was funny. We were going over. So obviously with the ratification of the CBA and all this, the last couple of days, uh, Jeff Solomon and Luke were on a call the other day and they were asking me if I, if I had any of the details, I said, no. And then Luke said, well, why don't we just call the mayor? He seems to have all our details. So outstanding. So it's good. Like you're, 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 you, you have a seat at that table kind of, uh, you know, it might be in the corner, but, but it's there. Rob, I'll take the seat in the corner and I'll even get Pepsi's for everybody. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, Perfect. uh, So, okay, good. You listened to one episode, so I'll start sending you links to the other episodes that we can catch you up. Some of the listeners, uh, readers on Twitter, they need to play catch up too. Um, So I'll send you some links and we'll we'll get you dialed in. Um, But how about this? Let's break some news, okay? Uh, AGM, you've made a comment before that you're not necessarily sure that you even need an assistant general manager. You have everybody sort of seated at the table. I think you have your your army, uh, your inner circle set Will there be an AGM? And if so, is it Nelson Emerson? Is it somebody else? Will there be one? Yeah, uh, there, there will be. I, I, the timing, I'm, I'm not sure on. Uh, no rush whatsoever. We, we have a specific need uh, that, that we would like to fill that with. But uh, again, I, I don't foresee it happening right away here. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to take the time and make sure it's the, the right person. What I, what I what I want is something a little different than, than what we have now. Like, uh, you know, we've, we, we've got a lot of ex players. Jeff Solomon's a little bit on a, on a different way or path here. So he's got a lot of different opinions and meetings. And I think you need all that. Uh, you know, if we're all, if we're all agreeing on the, on the same thing, we're probably not going to get the right decision. So, um, you know, there's a specific need, uh, you know, the, the scouting background to me is, uh, is important, um, not necessarily a playing background, but but the knowledge of hockey, but also with the younger generation and and, and just uh, you know some different ideas, maybe outside the box a little. Not that we're always going to use them, but I, I think the combination of all those uh, opinions uh, help you come to a better decision. Okay, so if you need a non-player and someone who's younger, <laughs> Rob, I'm available. I'll just send you my number. I'll be happy to. I'll take my seat in the corner. He probably has your number. Yeah, well, he probably does. But I'll take my seat in the corner and we'll we'll get going, Rob. We can do that. Um, I'm going to lobby for somebody then. If you're gonna if you're gonna go outside the box here, I'm going to lobby for Mark Yannetti, who I think is the smartest guy in hockey. Yeah, no, Mark is terrific. He's done uh, uh, he's done wonders at uh, at the spot he is in in our organization. He's very important. Um, you know, for me, because I, I didn't have a scouting background per se, where I was going into watching games and I've done it for 20 years as a player, but it's a little different uh, sitting upstairs and, and going through it. The, the impressive, um, you know, values of Mark is, is, is drive to get better every year. There, there's always something he's looking into. He, he doesn't just stand on what he accomplished the year before. It's always looking further. How, how do you fit analytics into your scouting reports? And, and then how do we compare different attributes of players that uh, may not have worked in the past in different rounds? And, and how do we compare this? So he, he's got a real inner drive to, to want to get better. He, he really leads his stuff well, very organized. Um, and, and like I said, I, I, I think that role for me is, is such an important role. And I, I'm not sure I could find a guy any better than he is at that right now. Now, maybe you already just answered this question with your last answer, but it is interesting to me. How has he survived at the seat at the table at your inner circle when over the last couple of years, you know, since you took over as GM, you have, I don't want to say slowly or methodically, but just over time, you have re-engineered that group and your fingerprints are all over it. And yet 
many of the guys that were here prior to you taking over are now out of the organization, and yet here is Mark right. Gennetti. How is it that he's survived? Well, I'll, I'll give you three things. Okay, uh, for, for me, and, and listen, he's 100% in a leadership position. Believe me, it's a, it's a like I said, it, I stress how important that is. He may not be uh, in L.A. every single day, but it's just as an important role because those are the players that are coming in. Uh, they're going to set the culture in your, your organization going forward, especially in the position we're in. So for me, leaders, they set the tone, the pace, and the standard. And, and Mark does this every year. Uh, they need to challenge and coach and, and, and confront their staff to make their staff better. And I sit in his meetings, and now when I bring in, uh, whether it's pro scouts or anybody that, that's new in the organization, I make them sit into Mark's meetings and, and understand how he does this, how he challenges his staff to, to be better. And, uh, you know, we, we value leaders that are learners, like the guys that want to, uh, whether it's reading, whether it's listening to the mayor's podcast or, or, or catching seminars <laughs> or whatever, you, you want to get better and you want to learn every year. And, and so, when we look at positions and, and, and hiring or, or maintaining a, uh, you know, a, a staff member or leader or a certain leader in the organization, I look at these values. And, and, and for me, you've got to bring those values and you've got to get value out of your department. So uh, that's why he stayed where he is. He, he's terrific at it. He does this over and over. He looks for constant improvement. And, and now if I can share that and put that in other department leaders and they have those same values and aspects, then, then we're going to go in the right direction. And, and now I think we're, we're heading in that way. But uh, again, listen, that's, uh, he, he shares a lot of those values that I find very important in a leadership role. Now, we can't move off this topic without mentioning the name Ron Hextall. People are going to want to know. So if you yep. just, if you just yep. uh, a moment ago said that it's not going to be a former player, most likely, in the AGM role, right. does Ron Hextall have a role with the LA Kings going forward, or is that still to be determined? No, he does. He does. He, he certainly does the same type of role he was in last year. Uh, you know, he would spend a week or 10 days with us here in, uh, in L.A., um, you know, the, the, the big thing we've accomplished, or I think a lot of organizations throughout this uh, pandemic is video conferencing and, and the ability to stay attached that way, uh, which I see that growing. Um, he has a place in Florida. He attends a lot of games down there, uh, special projects. Uh, but for me, the, the, the real importance was probably around the trade deadline. We had him come in and uh, just knowing that he's been in this position and, and he's dealt with uh, other GMs and he, he understands the the different types of playing fields or different tactics use you know was was very reliable uh, source for me very important to have uh, somebody of that stature that, that that's been in that before it, it, it's different when when you have the final decision so you take in all that information you have to weigh it and you have to make that decision but for me having that ability to to run something by him immediately and have him uh, you know give a a very calculated answer, a very, you know, obviously doing his work and his preparation. Um, you know, so, so it's important that, yeah, he is part of it and, and, and will be going forward here. Rob, I'll hold off on the question about trading the second pick for now, but, uh, you can, <laughs> you can keep holding that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer, DB. <laughs> well, Rob, so given the pandemic, right, you're going to go and assuming the CBA gets passed here in the next few days, uh, you're looking at eight and a half months between regular season games. Is there going to be accommodation for, for you and the, the other non-playoff teams that maybe you do like the NFL and OTA where you can gather at least maybe the prospects or the team together in some sort of off-season activity uh, to help transition the long stretch between regular season games? 
Yeah. So, and, and there definitely will be, I mean, we'll have to take, uh, you know, obviously direction from the NHL. They've, they've been obviously preoccupied with the resumption of play, getting everything in order. I, I understand, uh, you know, the need that we're going to have, um, focusing on, uh, uh, you know, particularly a development camp, the timing of it, what will be allowed at it. Um, you know, if, if the American League is delayed, what can we do with our prospects? Uh, you know, we, we're starting to get a little bit firmer dates finally. So a, a December training, uh, regular season start, a November camp. So now you put things into place. Uh, you know, I was talking to Dustin Brown the other day, and that, that came up. A lot of it is um, the players just want to know when – the exact dates are so they can start putting their training blocks into place and, and get their head around it. So, uh, you know, we're starting to get some of those firm dates, but as far as the development that touches with the young kids, how we're going to get that, uh, not a lot has been put into it. We, we've done a lot of models, um, you know, in, inside here and come up with all different scenarios, but we will have to take direction from the league on, on how we do that. Hey, Rob, uh, along those lines, the coach in Ontario, uh, this was a, I'll call it a contentious situation here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the letting go of Mike Stuthers. What, 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 right. what can you say about that? And then let's pivot off of that and talk about the next coach. Yeah, no, Mike was terrific. I, I can't say enough of what he has done for the organization. Uh, I think he was the, the exact right coach at the right time for us and uh, was able to push. And, and listen, we had a lot of success together. I think it was six years. You know, he won a championship, uh, was able to move this franchise out here. Um, I just felt with the turnaround that we're doing, the, the direction that we're going to go in, uh, that, that that time had come, and, and we had to make that move. You know, we had a, a, an extra year on it, but if I knew it was coming to that direction anyway, and, and, and listen, there, there's there's different reasons employees or, or, or people, that, staff members leave. I mean, uh, you know, one, one they're either, they're going to leave because they want something else somewhere, and that's fine. Uh, you know, there's others where, where they do exactly what you want to a certain point, but, but you have to make a hard decision on what you want to do in the future. And, and, and that's where it was with Mike. So, you know, he's a terrific human, uh, as a player's really respected him. He had a little bit of, uh, roughness around him, but, he, but his, his presence and his command in the dressing room was terrific. Um, we, we just felt it was time. We, we had to make that change. He's been here for a while. And, and the direction and everything that we were doing with this organization, we, we had to make that change. Um, just on the, I'm sorry, on the second part of that, that going forward with the, with the hiring of a, of a, a new coach or, or, you know, American league coach, uh, you know, it's, it's been directed here with, with Rich Sealing, Glenn Murray, they've been heading it up and uh, I've been really happy with the process. And uh, unfortunately I've had to uh, do this process quite a bit in the first three years. So <laughs> I've, I've, I've come up with a little bit of a, a plan on it, but they, they were really good about putting uh, before anything was putting the criteria they wanted in a head coach. Exactly. What, what, what do you want? And you know, that criteria starts at maybe 30, 40 different things. Now you narrow it down and, and now you start taking your list. So you're going to have the guys that call in and want the job. There's going to be guys that you, you look at that you, you think may or, or you've crossed in the, in, the, in the past and may fit that role. Now you put them into that criteria. You get it down to a number that actually you can work. And, and their first, and, and, and listen, it's been a little different with the virtual part. So their first step of that process was basically getting to know the guy through a, uh, through a zoom call. And, and, 
uh, get that process. And then they take that and now they get it down to a number under 10. And, and what they're doing now is, is their secondary interview. And, and now you're having the, the potential coach show you systems, show him a game day presentation, show, show his presence on how he does this. And, and eventually we want to get to a spot where we can have an in-person uh, uh, meeting or interview with us and you get down to a number of two or three. Ideally, we'd like the guys to come in and, and run if we're, if we're doing a development camp or we have camps going on uh, to take the guys on the ice because you really get a presence on how they uh, explain drills and how they run practices. And, and uh, you know, it, it's hard to get that sometimes when you, when you don't have the guy. Like with Todd, I, I knew exactly what I was getting there. I didn't have to have him come in and do that because I spent two years with him. So uh, we feel that's a big part of the process. It's still down the road. But right now they're in the second interview stage where, where the coach is presenting to them and they're getting to understand his philosophies and his values in coaching and, and how he presents. Could a guy like Jim Montgomery, who there was allegedly some – some strong interest in back in 2017 to come in as one of the assistants under John Stevens. Everybody knows he didn't take the job, ultimately ended up in, in Dallas, and we know what happened there. But is there an opportunity for a guy like Jim Montgomery to come in and and uh, maybe be reintroduced to the hockey world and, and in that role? Yeah, and, and listen, we, we did. We pursued him pretty hard at that time. Uh, his relationship with John and, and just the, the, the production he had at the USHL level, at the college level, um, you know, the the, the – you know, the, the presence of the offense and that, um, you know, I, I'm not going to get too much into the candidate list, but, uh, but yeah, he, you know, he, I'm sure he gets his, his life switch stitched, uh, fixed around situated and going in the right direction. But he was definitely a guy that we were, we were high on here a few years ago for sure. Now we did some word association back with, uh, Luke Rubitai in 2009. So this is, this is over 10 years ago. And uh, asked him about a bunch of different people from Marty McSorley, Rob Stauber, you know, Sandstrom, Granado. We could do a whole show on Sandstrom, by the way. But anyway, um, on Rob Blake, he said, one of the greatest people I know and a good leader. That was over 10 years ago. And I'm just curious, how has your relationship with Luke changed over the last 10 years? Obviously, he's your boss now. But when you think back over 10 years, how has the relationship changed? You know, when it really, it really hasn't changed. That, that's the good part, and uh, and and it stayed the same. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. You go to the GM meetings, and you hear other GMs and their interactions with their their presidents or their owners. And uh, you know, Dean had always said here, he goes, "We got, we have one of the best setups," and and it's true. I mean, uh, Luke and I are on the on the same. We 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 look at some things different for sure, um, but but it always ends up when you come out of the room, you're on the same page, uh, you know, wh- when you talk to your staff, or you talk to the players and, and that was no different than when we played, um, you know, so we've kind of taken the relationship when we, when we played and, and, and just furthered it down the road here or, you know, much different uh, roles, but, but the same type of leadership and, and, and understanding what, what we need and, and the plan. He, he was a big, um, support in this whole plan a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, it's nothing that we, uh, we didn't expect to happen. Uh, the only thing it did, it, it, it happened a lot quicker than I expected. And, and that might've been my part of being a little bit naive on what I thought I was going to get out of the players. Um, but as the overall plan and, and, and the direction we had to go, uh, we were both on that same page. We, we sped that up, obviously got into this a year and a half or, or almost two years ago now. Um, but he was full support and has been going forward. So uh, you talk about the plan. So 
you've been in the chair for over a thousand days now. Um, when you came in day one, it was a veteran team. Dean had traded away a lot of high draft picks, didn't have that, those assets. And now today with some good luck in the draft lottery, a couple of weeks back, I, I guess convention is you have the number one ranked prospect system. You have the second overall pick. You've got, three, and I think an undersold part is the three second round picks that you hold. Like, is there any sense of validation saying that, hey, look, the last two, look, everybody knows last season was very, very tough for, for everyone, for, I'm sure you, for us covering the team. Yep. Um, any sense of validation that you're on really on the cusp of making this a dynamic team? Because people kind of forget that you've got $10 million in cap space after next season for Kovalchuk and, and for enough that comes off. So you're right there right now to make this team very dangerous in the next couple of seasons. So any sense of validation that you that affirms what you thought of a couple of years ago was the right move to make? I don't know if there's validation or I'm looking for validation. For me, it doesn't come until you, you ultimately reach the, the final championship. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, the part that was most difficult for me was was having to, to, to take that veteran team, the one that accomplished so much, um, not, not, not just for the Kings, but for the history of this franchise. It's only, only, the only group to be able to win the Stanley Cup and to win it twice in, in that amount of time, uh, you know, is truly amazing. But, but to have to, you know, for sake of better word, dismantle that team was right. difficult. I, I wanted to give them every single opportunity. And, and listen, I, I, I understand. I, you know, I hear some things and I, I, talk to people and they're like, well, why didn't you do it from day one when you walked in? Well, I wasn't prepared to do that. You know, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I gave this, this, those players, the ones that had been through it and the ones that accomplished it every single opportunity to do it again. Now there comes a point when that obviously fell flat and, and you had to make that change, but it wasn't just a change that we hadn't been thinking about. It had been worked on in the back room and, and we knew we were headed in that direction. Eventually there were some contract things. We thought if we could get a year or two uh, further down the road, it may be a little bit easier to implement some of that plan. Um, but, but for me, it was, it was when I took over was, uh, that, that was the hardest part was I wanted to make sure they had every single opportunity to do this once more. And, and once that was un, unattainable, then yeah, we had to change that direction. So Rob, I mentioned the three picks in the second round, and then if Clifford resigns in in Toronto, you'll get another second round pick in twenty twenty one. And John, have I have talked about this on the podcast? Are you getting to a critical mass where you're going to have too many players? Uh, well, we're getting close with contract count currently. Um, we have to be a little bit more cautious. There, there was some summers where we were looking at numerous free agents, college, and that trying to fill holes, giving some opportunities. Um, that that changes a little bit uh, contract count. We really have to understand uh, the ability of these players when they're signing those contracts because you get locked in for three years early. Um, but I, but I look at this draft very similar to last draft in in quality and quantity. Um, I don't foresee that as much going forward. I think we'll be back to normal uh, numbers mm -hmm. uh, based off of, of, of players and that we have. So, so we knew we had a, probably a two-year period of the draft, and, and I talked to Mark about it said, listen, this is what we're trying to accomplish. We want to get this many picks in, in, in the top 50 or, or, or top two rounds and then overall number of picks. Um, now not all these guys are going to get signed and, and that you got to, sure. you know, do your homework and your research. And, but it also allows you assets to acquire certain things when the team starts to take shape and, and you start to see visible holes. Now we had, 
holes all over the place last year. So, so yeah, we're getting as many players and, and, and allowing them opportunities. I think if you get a year or two down the road here, you're, you're starting to see more visible holes, and you may use assets to get that. You know, Rob, it seems like it's years ago since uh, the season was paused, but team won seven in a row at the end. Right. Um, you have all these prospects. You have a coach who Joe and I both think is just absolutely your best call, probably of your tenure here. Um, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction for next season because it's so far away, but is it fair to think that this team should be playing games of consequence, game 60, game 70 of next season, that to be in the mix? Or is it just going to be a year of evaluation where you got to figure out well, all these kids fit in your, uh, on your depth chart? No, I think you got to be in the mix, and, okay. and you got to play meaningful games. Um, you know, and, and Todd knows that, um, I, I think we fully understand the position we were in this year. We weren't adding to the team this year. And, and that's, that was the hardest part because you had to deal all the way up to the deadline, knowing that you were taking quality players, character players, championship players, and good players out of your room. But, but that was part of it. We understood that. Once you got to that deadline and, and move forward, now it's all going forward. Now, now the expectations are you, you've got to start playing and, and you've got to start producing. And, and the five older guys that we're going to count on, you, you've got to be able to keep your game high uh, and, and bring these kids in. And, and so that, that whole playing meaningful games and that, 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 that's, that's a necessity next year. Rob, when you talk about the five guys, uh, you know, Dustin Brown, Kopitar, Jeff Carter, Dowdy, and Quick, is that to say that Trevor Lewis will not be back next year? Uh, we, we don't know yet for sure. Um, like I said, contract comps, uh, you know, certain rules depend on junior and, and, and when these teams are, or, sorry, when these leagues will start, uh, you know, are they junior designations? Are they going to be on your pro roster? There's a lot that has to come into it. You know, free agency periods obviously been moved back. Um, I can't say enough about what Trevor's been able to do for this organization. Again, one of, uh, you know, I probably had this same conversation probably four or five times in the last two years. They, they've done everything we could ask for. And, and, and they brought two championships to the, to the organization. They're going to be forever remembered 10, 20, 30 years doing the anniversaries. They, they, they've all been part of that group uh, going forward. Uh, you know, I can't answer that correct right now. Okay. Um, but, uh, just because there's a lot of things that are surrounding it. Sure. Uh, looking ahead, we'll wrap up with a couple of quick ones here. Um, looking ahead, give us a quick scouting report on Byfield. Not that he's the pick, but we'll start with him and then we'll get to Stutzel. Quick scouting report yeah. on Byfield. What, yeah. what do you think? Well, I think it, obviously the size uh, stands out right away and probably skating ability. Um, so now you bring that to the middle ice. And, uh, you, you know, the other thing, he's, he's one of the youngest players in the draft. Uh, having to handle the pressure of being touted a, uh, a number one or two for the most part of the season uh, in Canada, uh, you know, you have to be able to manage that. And, and that's difficult to do, um, especially at 17 years old. So, uh, you know, I, whatever player we go with, what there, there's so much more to just being the player. Uh, you know, we'll understand what they can do on the ice. But when you're picking at that level, uh, the leadership uh, going forward, it, does that player help your team win? Or is he just going to be a good player on your team? And, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it around that, understanding the character and the, and the background and, and his internal drive. What, what, what's he like uh, training-wise? And, and who does he follow? What You know, what kind of presence will he have? What, what value 
outside of just what he does on the ice because there, there's so much demand at that level. So, um, you know, we, we've got work to do on, on a few players there for sure. Stutzel, any scouting notes on him? Yeah, I think a playmaking uh, ability to see the ice um, and, and create plays. Having to play in a, in a, in a men's league at a, at a young age, um, you know, probably not a lot early in the season where he was up high in the draft, you know, he, he was obviously in, in the first round and that, but was able to, to produce and play at a, at a high level that put him into the conversation in the, in these top picks. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I, I spoke a lot of marketing Eddie, but Christian Rutu handles a lot of our European, um, scouting over there and, and over the years has had a great handle on players. Um, you know, so he's had a real good background. Uh, like I said, uh, we have, we have time now to do, do more work. Um, you know, a little bit more in depth, uh, a lot of it's going to be through video just because of the, uh, uncertainty of even if these guys start playing before the draft, are you able to watch and, and, and see any of their games? And, um, so, you know, lot, lots of lots of work to do, but I, I think we have very reliable uh, people within the organization that have real good reads on both of them. Rob, just to follow up on that, because of the uniqueness of the, the schedule, instead of drafting these kids in June, you're drafting them now in October, do you have to keep track of them? Not maybe just from a playing standpoint, but 17, 18-year-olds could grow an inch or gain 15 pounds by the time we hit to get to October. Right, and, and you may have an opportunity where you see these guys play again after four or five months, right? And and you're right, at, at 17, 18 years old, the, the, the maturity level or the development, um, you know, the, the increased time off here where they're not running all over. Typically in your draft year, um, you're, you're running to the combine, you're, you're, you know, you're, you know for, for a European player, he's flying back and forth. Then you've got development camp, you've got all your media requests. There's, there's a lot of focus there that takes away from – the main focus of training. Um, now, now these kids can focus on that. And, and so I think you'll see a, uh, a, a, a kind of a unique situation where you, you may be able to see these kids uh, after you had it projected at a certain spot in right. June, uh, you know, four or five months later in, in the development that goes into it. So Rob, regardless of whether you draft Byfield or Stutzel, it really doesn't matter for this next question. You have some some riches uh, in the prospect pool. Which of these players do you think is better suited to be moved over to the wing? Gabe Velarde, Turcotte, or Akil Thomas? Uh, it, I'm not sure uh, you know, which one could possibly play there. The one thing I do know, and, uh, and, and, and you know, part of playing, but also when I was involved with the World Cup, uh, you, you don't see wingers go to center, right? But you see a lot of centermen go to wing. So listen, if they if they have to play center in in in, in college, junior, and American league, and they're understanding the importance of the center, supporting the play, the draws, and uh, you know when you when you get to the NHL and and you need to find a role, if that's on the wing, so be it. In, in the World Cup, we put a lot of centermen on the wings, and you know Todd likes uh, the the ability of a righty and lefty on penalty kill to take draws. Well. Well, if you if you if you're groomed a centerman and, and and you you understand the importance of those, now you have those abilities. So the shift from center to wing um, for me isn't as big a deal. Um, so, you know, I, I think that'll play out when you when you start to see how these guys like a, a, you know a good example would be Jeff Carter last year. I mean, traditionally a centerman for sure, um, 
we, we were playing on right wing, left wing, uh, you know, wherever uh, his ability to be able to do all that. Now you put him on the, on, on a penalty kill with a lefty. So you have a righty there that can take draws. So we, we find the ability, the, the more center we can, we, we, we can move them in the lineup. So you answered my question about the second overall pick. I'll ask you about the three twos that you have. Is, is yep. there a possibility down the road that you're on the you're going to that you could move back into the first round if you saw somebody using your extra picks in both second rounds this year and next? Yeah, we, you know, we, we'll run all those different um, uh, models, and and, and uh, a lot of it we base off of the history, right? So, so to get in the first round, uh, you know. Uh, how many picks do you usually would move up and, and then, and then the value of the picks to, uh, that you would have to include in the package to get in the first round. Now, realistically, can you get 25 to 30 in that range? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you have a high second and, and something else available possibly. Um, but again, Mark runs model after model of historical moves. And, and so we get a basic understanding of what would it would take. Uh, but you also have to have a player available. Now, we, we did this last year, but we did it with Sammy Fagum a little right. bit later. Um, you know, a, a player prior to the draft where they said, listen, we, once we get certain picks here and once you get certain level of the draft, we need to get this player. And, and now we got to put a package together. Then you got to get a team that's willing to do that. You know, so we'll run all those different scenarios. Um, you know, the, the, the advantage is you do have multiple picks. So, uh, you're not kind of taking yourself out of certain rounds. Um, if you're, if you're making a combination of it, Rob, it's been a fantastic 30 minutes. We appreciate you coming on the show today. One final question for you, Jeff Solomon. Yep. He's the only, he's the only member at the table that carries a briefcase everywhere. I've seen this guy at a pool in Vegas with the briefcase while he's wearing his little, you know, speedo. What's the deal? What is inside the briefcase? I'm not sure there's anything to tell you the truth. <laughs> That's great. It just makes it look good. It makes it look like, like, like we're talking about it. So it makes it look important. You know, walk around with his briefcase. Now, uh, now he's been in, you know, he's, it, it's funny. Like I, I talk about different opinions and, uh, and it doesn't matter what the topic we bring in the back room. He has a whole different view of it than we do. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, he'll, he'll take his lumps because we get on him about it. Um, but, but it really makes you think uh, a, a different side of things. And mm-hmm. listen, we come out of those decisions and whatever way we go with it, um, you know, his, his analytical background has, uh, he's really good at taking uh, a spreadsheet of numbers. When, when, when I look at it or Nelson or whoever looks at it, it's just a whole bunch of numbers to it. He's able to put it into something that we can actually tangibly understand. You know, he, he works with, with Rob Bowman and, and, and Hayden speak his young, younger guy in that uh, group with us right now, but they, uh, they, they really do a lot of research and, and, and trying to predict what's going to happen in the future off of historical data. And, uh, you know, understanding a, a lot of times we'll watch a game. We'll be like, uh, we were terrible in this area of the game. He's able to pick up comments like that, whether it's from us or the coaching staff, and, and then give us a background analytically on it. Maybe maybe it supports it, maybe it doesn't, and, and it maybe leads you down a totally different road. So, uh, you know, very important uh, part of that in, in, in the organization of that, that, that department and, and how it uh, interacts with us. So, Rob, in 20 years, I've never asked you for anything. I'm going to ask you for something today. I need you to help me book Sully on the show because I think he's scared to come on. So can you make that? You're his boss. Can't you make it happen? Just tell him he has to do it. 
I, I think he has to, but he, he, do not hold it to 30 minutes. There's no possible <laughs> way you're going to be able to do that. We'll give him, we'll give him mean, an hour. He, he, Yo, no, you're, yeah, you're gonna. That, that'll be the first question, and then, <laughs> then you guys will get into something. The first question, <laughs> fantastic. He'll, he'll have you. Yeah, no, what he'll do is he'll have you running all over the place, so you can't understand what the answer was supposed to be. So. I only have one question, so and that's just what's in the briefcase. So I guess I'll have to soften him up with a couple of other ones earlier on. Rob, it's been fantastic. Yes, we appreciate thanks, it. All the best to you and the family. Hope you guys stay safe, and uh, you know, like you, we can't wait to uh, get back to the rink and start talking about hockey again in person. All right, guys. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, Rob. Have a good one. Bye. Rob Blake, general manager of the Los Angeles Kings. A uh, good 30, 40 minutes there, DB. Yeah, oh. Sense of humor, a little bit of transparency, right? Broke a little news there. That's fantastic. Yeah. We'll talk more about it on the other side of the break. We'll be back. I'm the dreams you have walking down railroad tracks, you and me. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. All right, Rob Blake, there you have it. Uh, DB, what, any any key takeaways from the Blake interview? We drew him out of his shell a little bit there. <laughs> some fantastic uh, some comments good there. Stories, some good yeah. stories, some jokes, getting you about... Uh, you having all their information? It's well, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you to Luke Robitaille for letting everybody know that they need to call the mayor and uh, listen to Kings of the Podcast. We appreciate that, Luke. We need to get Robitaille on. He's a funny guy, and yeah. I think that we would have a lot of fun with Luke. But uh, for me personally, it was more important to get Rob on Agreed. and talk about the organization, uh, kind of past, present, and future. His his tenure as general manager, a couple seasons in, and, and looking forward to what's hopefully going to be uh, uh, the plan coming to fruition here over the next uh, 24 months. It's amazing how things have changed since they named Willie Desjardins the interim coach to the <laughs> Stop <name>. it. <laughs> we managed much to go changed. an entire show without mentioning Willie Desjardins. No. What's next? Are you going to talk about Kopelchuk? Mm, not yet. All right. Designated hitter. What do you want to hit on? Here we go. Third period. Let's uh, thank you to Rob Blake. Thank you to the LA really? Kings PR yes, staff, Rob Koch, for getting that all set up for us. We do appreciate that. And uh, we'll see if, if he comes through and if Sully gets on the show and we can find out what's in the briefcase <laughs> or if he keeps uh, keeps dodging us. I know he's listening. So, uh, you know, come on. Let's they go. They listen. Let's go. They do. They do. Rob, Rob. He, he, I mean, he admitted a little bit that he lives. He said he listened to the, the one episode, one. but I think he's heard a few more. Maybe I, I'm just, more. that's just, that's the most recent episode that he's listened to. It's Let's in say their that. clips. When they put out the emails with all the clips, <laughs> they it's do. in there. For fans that don't know, the LA Kings PR staff puts out an email every day to the media and says, here are all the stories and clips uh, that talked about the Kings from the day before. So all of the other writers get to see what everybody else is saying if you so choose to click on those links. So you can read the articles on Mayor's Manor. You can read right. DB's articles on the fourth period. You can right. listen to the radio shows that get posted and all that sort of stuff. So I think they are listening. Exactly. I think that same list probably goes to the players and the coaches too. So maybe that's where, you know, maybe that's where McClellan's getting it. It's infiltrating everywhere. Somewhere. Okay. Let's hit a couple of Twitter questions. Uh, there are some people that send stuff into us, DB. I did not filter these. I'm just going, uh -oh. I'm just going in order here. <laughs> Let's get through all of these. Um, somebody wants to know Pringles or Lay's stacks. I would go with the stacks. Stacks are great. I'm not a Pringles guy. Nor am I. Okay. Do you like stacks? 
Or you just dislike Pringles? I'm a Lay's guy. Okay, so there you go. Uh, let's see. At Byfield's young age, um, if he's the King's pick, is he in the same age or is he in the same group as Kaliev, meaning not available for the two full seasons? So yes, it would be for Byfield. It would be juniors or uh, NHL uh, next season. And uh, as I said, actually on your show on XM yeah. uh, DB, I do not expect Byfield no. or Stutzel to play in the no. NHL next year. Again, look over the King's roster. It's been tweeted out a number of times. Uh, let's see a couple of other ones. Is there one move you absolutely want the Kings to make between now and opening night? Or is there a move that you would like the Kings to undo? And he says, i.e. the Stutz firing. Well, uh, okay. They didn't fire him. His contract just wasn't renewed. First of all, it's a minor technicality, I'm sure. But that's not going to be undone. I don't know if there are any moves that are going to be or that can be undone. So I'll right. take the first part of it, DB, and ask you that. Is there one move you absolutely want the Kings to make between now and opening night? Sign Trevor Lewis for one year. Fantastic. There you go. Um, I, I would say, I would say, when you're looking at the left-handed D position, try to find somebody of the Rob Scuderi mold. In the sense that you you overpaid to get a player for four years um, because you weren't just thinking about next season. So I'm saying, think beyond the bridge. Like Ben Hutton was clearly a bridge player for totally. one year. Think beyond the bridge. Think about somebody that you need in year three and try to maybe overpay a little bit to get that player. That would be what I'd like to see. they have the room to do that. They do. And so I'd like to see them, you know, a bridge plus, if you will. You want to throw out the two players you're thinking of? Uh, No, we can move on. We can do that for another show. Uh, LB asked it 400 times on Twitter. Um, (laughs) Though it'll be a long time between the team organized activity for the Kings, do you think there's any chance they benefit by not being involved in this summer's makeshift playoffs? Uh, Do I think there's a benefit? Sure, I think there's absolutely a benefit. I think that you're not going to put unnecessary miles on players like Kopitar, Dowdy, Quick, etc. They've obviously played a lot of hockey, so I think there's some benefit there. Injuries like Jeff Carter will be able to be on the mend. Um, I still want to know what the development path is, though, for some of the younger players because they do need to get on the ice, which we which we talked with Blake about. You? If they were in the playoffs, they wouldn't have the second overall pick. They might have a shot at the first if they lost the first round. So that's the trade-off. No, I, I, I think the benefit is that uh, just regroup. They, and look, they, they weren't that good. They didn't deserve to be in. They, they weren't one of the top 24 teams. So I don't think there's any downside to it. I think you mentioned the core of this team, the, the top five guys are older guys. So I mm-hmm. think they can get... They benefit from the rest. Sure. Uh, next one. And I'm just I'm just buzzsawing through these things here. Yeah. If there is a World Juniors, and please let there be, um, in, any, uh, in any case, the following year, he would have to be on the Kings roster. I don't know what that question is, but uh, yeah, the Kings will be sending players to the World Juniors this year if there is a World Junior tournament. Turcotte, Kaliev, uh, you have to figure Bjornfoot, and then there's a couple of other kids that would be, I think Jordan Spence would have to get a look from Team Canada coming off of being and the defensive player of the year. overall. Although, uh, uh, well, Stulte can go. Uh, but Byfield would be able to go. Yeah, so you could get you could get Byfield. So yeah, the second overall pick. Uh, this one here is a music question. Bloodstains by Agent Orange or The Legend of Pat Brown from The Vandals. That's a simple one for me. I'm not a Vandals guy, so I would go with Agent Orange. Uh, just never really understood The Vandals. Wasn't, wasn't my thing. Um, will Blake use LA available sap ca- uh, salary cap to accumulate more picks and players? It's possible... But as you heard Blake talking about, they're really up against, they have so many prospects yeah. and so many guys under contract, contract that right. those contract spots are really valuable right now. So I'm not necessarily convinced that they would do that. Uh, and it would have to be on an expiring contract anyway, because yeah. they would only be looking to do something like that for the next season. Because once you get beyond that, any contracts they bring in would not be 
salary dumps from other teams, they would be ads to the team right. to get them going a la a Jeff Carter trade or a Marion Gabrick trade. And they're going to have that opportunity, John. They're going to be teams up against the, the this flat cap that Rob could cherry pick in not this coming off season, but the following season. If there's a need and he needs an established player, he could absolutely go do it. Let's hit a couple more of these. If Peterson seems to clearly be taking the number one away from quick next season, could he get the majority of starts? Well, I think you sort of answered your own question. If he is taking the number one spot away from quick, that would mean he would get the majority of starts. But if the real question you're trying to get at there is how many starts do you think quick gets? How many starts do you think Peterson gets? I think they go into the year with a 50, a plan of a 50, 50 split. Right. I can't tell you the number of games because ultimately we don't know how many games is it going to be an 82 game schedule. I mean, I know what they think it's going to be, mm -hmm. but I would just say it's heading into the season. The plan is probably a 50 50 split. And then if one guy gets hot, Todd's obviously going to deviate from the plan. And I think Cal only played seven games this year. So you really want to, you have to increase his workload at this point because he's the future. Okay. Odds on uh, DB 23 retiring a King. What's a hundred percent guarantee? I don't know what you hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So there you go. Um, I mean, obviously he's going to be left exposed in the Seattle expansion sure. draft. Could Seattle take him? Somebody the other day was trying to connect the Lie factor to Dustin Brown. Um, he would have one year left on his contract. That could be ideal. You know, yeah. I don't know. Do they take I, him? I don't think so. I would think they would play probably exposed to play like Austin Wagner. Well, they're going to expose him, but yeah. would they take him? They, yeah, they would take they, Wagner would over uh, Brown. So I think the odds are very high that Dustin Brown retires a king. That was the plan all along. And now there's no compliance buyout, so there's really no benefit to do it anyway. Uh, the over-under, uh, we don't need to talk about that one. We already <laughs> did. Uh, uh, the leading goal scorer on the LA Kings, 2020-21. Who's the leading goal scorer on the Kings next year? Kopitar. I mean, you'd be hard not to go with Kopitar because you look at over the past, what, 10 years, it's pretty much been Kopitar. Um, I'll go out on a crazy limb. Go ahead. It's going to be Gabe Velarde. Wow. Okay. That's a crazy limb. I mean, why not? Let's have fun. That's good. Uh, favorite Kings jersey of all time. Um, they haven't made that jersey yet. It's all black with a uh, black and white of the new crown. I like the new crown. So, okay. Uh, they've, they've come close, but it's had, it's had some purple mixed in with it. So I would just say all black but with the black and white uh, Since you have uh, or silver crown. John, is there any plan on making a different third jersey? Uh, well, th no. Be there, there will be a new jersey next year, but it will be a fourth jersey from what I understand. Okay. There's a league-wide initiative with some different um, uh, sleeves to the jerseys. It'll have some different designs. Okay. Uh, so look for another Kings jersey, but really the big uniform change for next year will be the addition of the silver helmets, right, the chrome right. buckets with the, the silver jersey, yeah. which is their third jersey. They have three jerseys. They have a black jersey, a white jersey, and a silver jersey. Um, I really love a more in-depth analysis on Byfield and Stutzel. That's coming to Mayor's Manor. Keep an eye on that. Also coverage of the expansion draft. Who do you think will be picked and who gets protected? Uh, I again, I love to tell people about past articles. Just uh, Google search expansion, Mayor's Manor. There's a whole article that'll tell you which players have to be protected. For the Kings, it's very simple because yeah. um, you look at who they need to protect and there just aren't a lot of players that they need to protect right. at this point because so many of the players are going to be exempt, exempt. Right. from being point. protected. It's unlike last time where they had to make that decision between Forbert and McNabb right. uh, as, as one of the key decisions. So um, who gets, It won't be a player of consequence. That it, it, I mean, yeah, like Austin Wagner would, would right. be a player that could potentially get selected. Uh, we'll delve into that as we get closer to Seattle. Uh, thoughts on who might be in play for the Ontario Reign head coaching position? Yeah, this has all been covered, guys, on, uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, I mentioned Jim Montgomery. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it would be, I considered a great candidate for the role because this is a guy they really liked they once it. upon a time, yeah. has had a tremendous amount of success, had some personal issues. If those are behind him and this can be an opportunity for him to return to hockey and you get him at a discount, yeah. right? Because you're not going to have to overpay to get the guy. You get him a discount, um, it would be a win-win for everybody. Uh, can we expect some more of the young talent full-time next season, or is it too early to tell? Uh, no, you absolutely can. Mikey yeah. Anderson is penciled in for a full-time role. Gabe Velarde is penciled in with a full-time role. Anything to add to that, DB? What about your boy, Artie Party? Uh, no, I think he'll get a, a couple, a handful of games at the beginning of the year, and it'll be back to the Ontario League for him. Kaliev is not eligible for the American right. League, so NHL or uh, OHL for him next year. I think you'll see him back in the yeah, but more prominent roles for the kids who came up at the end of the season and played a handful of games. Yes, and you'll see Clegg and Bjornfoot uh, probably yeah. rotating in and out and, and each getting about a half a season. Um, what's the price for the Kings to move down from the second round into the early 20s? Uh, yeah, you're probably looking at two second round picks to move. I think the question here, you're looking at two second round picks to move into the bottom half the, of the, the first, first round. round. Right. I do anticipate the Kings to do that. And I also anticipate they'll be taking a defenseman right. when they trade up into the bottom half yeah, of the second round there. Can't, they don't have any more. They need another four, John. <laughs> well, they're either going to draft a defenseman or an assistant coach. One or the other. That's all I can tell you. Okay. Uh, uh, if Raymond starts to fall in the draft, does LA get a package together to get another first round and move up? Yes, absolutely. They do like uh, Raymond, and there's a great scouting report on mayorsmanor.com. You can see that. Well, you just said they ain't going to draft any forwards. Uh, I, well, this, is a, this is a separate issue. A separate okay. issue. Okay. It's possible. Okay. But yes, defensemen would be more. Yes. But I, he, said, he said, is it possible? Yes, it's possible. There's a lot of interest there with that player. Depends how far he falls. I'm reading between the lines. I get Depends it. Depends how far he falls. Right? No, I get it. Their priority after drafting Byfield or Stutzel will be to get a defenseman with their right. second selection in the draft, draft whenever that, that should is. be. Yeah, exactly. You're following along, DB. I, this is I great. I pay attention sometimes. Uh, thank you. Uh, any news on whether an NHL or excuse me, an AHL season will happen or not? Not at this moment, no. but all anticipation or all speculation is there will be a season for the American Hockey League. We just don't have any firm details yet. Once the NHL sort of moved forward, I think now the other leagues can start to follow and figure out what it is that they're right. going to do. They have definitive dates. It's and smart. each league comes with its own unique set of circumstances as well, uh, DB. You have, you know, the American League is different because these are men. These are pro pro professional players. Yeah. Junior leagues come with something totally different. And billet families, I mean, right. do the billets want the kids in their home during COVID? I mean, there's a whole other set of factors. And then you have college. Are the college campuses <laughs> reopened? I mean, there's just so much well, going on with these other leagues. Is going to progress? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, is this... Uh, is this enough for one day? Oh, we have one more. Uh, Twizzlers and an NHL season or Red Vines and no hockey. I don't even know who this person is, but they are now blocked because why yeah, would you even mention... bad choices. Why would you put Twizzlers on my timeline? I know. Nobody wants to hear about Twizzlers. And then Red Vines with no hockey. That, that's, that's, that's a terrible combination. That's a terrible combination. does not go together. No. I'm, I'm all for the return of the NHL and uh, give me the big Costco-sized bucket of Red Vines. That would be like Universal DH and Red Vines. Oh, you're killing me. Universal DH. Not even baseball. Get out of town. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? I know you're going to put this to the test, too. Uh, as soon as they let fans back in, I know game one, you're going to be texting me. Do you want to go to the game? I was like, no, I don't want to go to the, I don't care about a, D, a universal I DH. I thought of you first, John. I appreciate That's that. What friends do first. Always first on your list. Uh, and, and the feeling is mutual. DB, fantastic show. Absolutely, John. Rob Blake, good times here. Q3, which is the third episode of Quarantine. DB, should we let the cat out of the bag right now? Yeah. We have a couple of other shows lined up. 
look for not one, but two new additional Kings of the Podcast coming up in the next few days. Stay healthy, fans. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.